I started doing very small things to shift the way how I think. And at that point, I didn't even think that was what I was doing. I just really did it because I was tired of feeling the way I did. What's up, tribe? Welcome back to the podcast that brings you closer to the world's biggest risk takers and enemies of the status quo. This podcast is for people who want to take the plunge in life but need a little nudge. I'm your host, Coach Darren K. Roberts, and I went from Harvard Law to the NFL by the grace of God and good old-fashioned grit. Folks, that was Monica Kang, and she is the founder and CEO of Innovators Box, a system that is revolutionizing the way we restart our creative engines. I just got back from South Korea and spent time with Monica as she led incredible deep-dive missions into the world of creativity. Be on the lookout for her new book, Rethink Creativity, which drops in September of 2018. Let's tune in to this episode with Monica Kane. All right, Monica, welcome to the tribe. Thank you for having me here. No, it's great to have you. You're a globetrotter. It's hard to get you sort of nailed down for a time. So thank you so much for joining us. And here's my first question for you. Okay. Let's say that I walked into your high school. You're an 11th grader. I storm into your English class, take you out into the hallway and ask you what you want to be when you grow up. What would the answer have been? Oh, wow. So there's a lot of memories, particularly in high school at that time. But (laughs) (laughs) I would have said um, being a diplomat. And that answer didn't change for a long time. But I'll leave it there for now. (laughs) Really? So what sparked this interest in diplomacy? For me, it made sense because one, being Korean-American at that point, especially in high school, was when I was having the first realization of the benefit of growing up in two countries and two cultures. Hmm. I was born in D.C., raised in D.C., Virginia, but my family moved back to Korea when I was young. And so my parents both being Korean and my entire relatives all being Korean, I had to grow up in a Korean culture when I moved to Korea. And I learned that I was different. Um, When I came back to high school, I was the American who was an international student. So that felt also different. Uh, But in between, I realized that uh, kind of three things. One, I realized because of that unique background of living in different places, I had to learn how to communicate and collaborate and bridge those bridges um, in different settings. And I loved it. So that was the first thing I realized that that was something that diplomacy looked like Jews doing that in bigger scale with Mm. bigger people, you know, with bigger influence. And that sounded fun Two, It was like the only thing on the news channel that seemed interesting than anything else. Like I I couldn't wrap my head around like math or like science, even though it was important. And then three, it just was something that I knew that uh, would take me traveling to more places, meeting more people. And I was just fascinated by meeting more people. And I realized if I've learned how I can help already some people with my personal journey of living in two places, maybe I can help make a bigger impact by pursuing a career, which required that. Now, you you land at Boston University, take us to freshman year, young Monica's walking across campus. What was your mindset? What were your fears? What was it like as a freshman back in college? Oh, man. I think back then... You know, you just feel like you figured out everything in life. (laughs) Yeah, you were so smart, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I got this thing. 
I got into school. I, uh, I, I'm meeting a lot of people. I'm liking people I like. Or people are nice. I'm learning the stuff I thought I wanted to learn. It seems doable. I don't know if I'm going to feel okay with these essays, but it's doable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, I think I really enjoyed college. It was really hard being uh, not being a student. <laughs> that first year transition, I think, was harder than being a college student because I, I had such a blast. I, I think... I finally realized that, oh, wow, there's a bigger world out there, not knowing that that was still a small pond. Um, But one thing in particular BU was really good was having a very international demographic. And I always um, felt connected with a lot of diversity of people just in general, um, because I came from different perspectives. So I got along more with people who tended to live in multiple countries or multiple cities because there was just a lot more to talk about and understand. Like we would never make first like certain jokes. Like I hated the mom joke forever. (laughs) Uh, I still do. Uh, But there's certain cultural jokes you just never do, which it helps brings into context of alignment. People tend to be more curious because they don't know. Um, So I I had fun, I think, but I was naive. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want you to coach yourself up in college. Uh-huh. And if you're giving the college version of Monica some lessons, some things maybe that you wish you had done differently, what would those points be? Oh, that might mean more time than this. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us one. Just give us one. <laughs> I think the number one thing is try... It might be two points, if yeah. it's okay. The Really, the first segment is try not to be perfect. Hmm. And what you think might be perfect is not actually also perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're laughing because you understand the layers of all these, these two statements. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So some people out there may be a little confused, but... Um... Don't try to be perfect. And then what you think may be perfect may actually not be perfect because it's actually not. It's in many ways very imperfect. Um, Mm -hmm. When I hear you say that, I'm just going to tell you what I think. On Mm -hmm. the second point, I think about the glossy resumes, right? So, you know, if we go to (laughs) innovatorsbox.com, we're going to look up Monica. You're going to have that nice... And you, you're beautiful in real life, but you got the, you know, everybody's got a little Photoshop going. I've got some Photoshop. It's going to be very <laughs> gleamy and glossy. We're going to uh-huh. read through your bio. They're going to be highlights. We're like, man, I could never be Monica, right? <laughs> you know, I, I uh, and this is why, this is one reason why I really, I, um, I encourage people when I'm doing talks is to, to create uh-huh. a rejection resume. We talked about this, where it's like, Ooh, All the things you didn't, like, everything you got rejected from. So flip it. Uh-huh. Education, every school you didn't get into. Awards, every award uh-huh. you didn't get. Um, because oftentimes I think from people on the outside who are trying to find a way to get started, get motivated, sometimes they get dissuaded by what they think is perfection from someone else. And they don't get to see the nitty gritty you know, the breakdowns in the dorm room and the times the doors were slammed in your face. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're chasing something that doesn't even exist and holding themselves 
accountable for something that really shouldn't be the goal anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Monica, first job out of school. First job out of school. I would actually, it was an internship, but it was my first nine to five, hmm. which was at the state department. Mm. Keep going. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about this. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, I can. I can share. <laughs> not not the work stuff because uh, they would probably hunt me down, even though I wasn't doing it. <laughs> it was it was a huge learning curve, and I think even you know it was a real real new. Exp- I think one thing that never got me off hook was realizing that you know at in school, even though. I meet a lot of the same people. You never spend so much time with a small number of people every single day. Hmm. And in the office setting, that was the first time I realized, wow, like you can hate someone and like love someone. But regardless of how you feel, like in an office setting, you would have to spend a huge amount of time every single day with these people and work on something. And that for me, I realized being an extrovert and like loving like enjoying really meeting a lot of people, I realized that almost made me feel suffocated because like I had only like 10 people I'm going to see every day for like a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> and that felt like at first I didn't even realize it. The next few months I realized, wow, that was really interesting. Like my brain just didn't know how to digest. And so like only it was only after work hours you can like meet new people. And that was intriguing to realize how much then of your social interaction and the way you feel you bring to the table changes because if you feel that you're going to talk to this person only for five minutes you can be a certain person and then like if you're going to see this person for 30 minutes you know you get to show a different part but then you can tune in and out but if you always like have to be in the office and show up your full part but then certain parts of the equation people don't like so then you have to take that part out you people Mm. don't like that so you take that part out and then you have show up whatever the version that people is accepting in the office, then you kind of lose track. <laughs> mm, yeah, like who's the real who? Like like who are you? Yeah. Who's who's the real me? And I realized the student version and what I thought about the work was also very different from the actual work. Um, I am fortunate that I still was in an office that was one of the hardest working office uh, and had a lot of great peers, had a lot of great mentors, had some breakdown and hard times still. Um, and it was stressful because because of my security clearance taking a long time because it was my one of my first ones. Um, uh, and having lived in different places, of course, it took a while. I also had a harder time for that first job because um, I had to wait for like the first month without not knowing what was going to happen. I think almost for three to four weeks. So it felt like a whole month and I was panicking every single day. Like I could literally be like here for the entire semester, like for the entire three, four months, not doing anything. And that like totally terrified me. Wow. <laughs> so I panicked the first week. <laughs> the second week I was like, okay, I got to figure out and do something, but I don't know how you can find internships this last minute or like any job. And by the third week, I ended up finding two other side gigs. Um, And by that point, I heard back from state. So now I had three jobs. And so that was also an interesting learning point of just I'm grateful that I ended up doing all three. But it was also stressful because I didn't really have a social life. Um, And it just taught me like how intense work life can be if uh, if if you just let it, you know, 
screw you. But mm-hmm. the people I met, I was grateful. I've learned a lot. And it's just just taught that, you know, what you're taught at school is very different from what it's like in real life. And it almost made me wonder, like, did I miss out on something? Like, was I supposed <laughs> to learn something else? Um, and so, yeah, I think I almost did it. I, I, it was a needed experience, but it was very intense. Hmm. You know, this authenticity piece, I mean, I think a lot of us kind of deal with this because um, you go to whatever your work environment is, and oftentimes you're pressured, and some of it is not, I wouldn't say direct pressure, but you feel Mm -hmm. the need to alter who you are in ways that is acceptable to those around you. But then once you do that for a while, it's hard for you even to figure out, like, who am I? Like, wait, which version, (laughs) which version is Darren, like the real Darren? Um, Mm -hmm. And I find this with people who are have side hustles. So they they got the nine to five and they go home and they work on this thing and they go to the office. And so trying to balance like who you are as an individual and then who you present yourself to be in the work context can be it can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I think now in even hindsight, it was probably I mean, it probably was due to the work itself, but it was more because of how I perceived it to be. And that was part of now the bigger lesson I realized as I now work with students myself through my work of just reminding them. And when I used to like had interns or like work with younger folks of like realizing that, right, like even though I'm trying to create an open space, like like they haven't had enough experience to learn what it means to work comfortably. Um, I don't know how many times I would go through like email etiquette. <laughs> and I remember the first few times I had to send out an email at my first few jobs, it was terrifying. Cause what if I had a typo? What if my boss freaked out? Like, and I realized that it was okay. The first few times, if you make mistakes, as long as you know, you're, you're showing that you're learning, but the more cautious I became, the more barrier I was actually putting it in front of me Hmm. and it wasn't just like you know it wasn't just other people's fault it was also my fault and now I realize like wow I was like way over cautious like I shouldn't have done that I was being the awkward one but I I didn't know what I didn't know wow and that's where I think mentoring comes into a huge play which goes back to that earlier part of like proactively find your people and I think knowing what my family felt like I realized I needed more people like that in the professional space and so I proactively showed up or networked as much as I can going to different conferences, going to different communities and like finding the people I can relate to, to learn how they brought their whole selves or like what careers they chose. Like, what am I not doing that I need to do to better understand? And it took a long time to find a lot of those people, but you know, some of the best people are people I'd never expected how we connected, but you know, it, it makes it worth it. Now, you've had a, a wealth of work experience, and I do want to give us a, a, some good time to talk about Innovators Box, um, mm-hmm. because I want to know, you know what sparked within you this desire <laughs> to create Innovators Box, the curriculum, the real thought-provoking cards and the trainings. I mean, you've built something that I think is really a value add for people who are trying to disrupt their own status quo. So tell us how it came to be. So it came to be because there were two or three things happening. One, um, I was personally experiencing what it's like to be stuck and stressed. Um, I was at a point in my career, I loved my career, but I felt 
um, quite stuck. And uh, looking back, I was probably getting quite depressed um, and realizing that. But then my friends keep telling me, Monica, stop complaining because, you know, your unhappy version is better than my version. I realized that that shouldn't be a comparison. Like <laughs> there's something clearly wrong. The fact that I no longer feel as happy as I did waking up every morning, just like can't remember the the last time I just felt joy um, with anything was not cool. Mm. <laughs> and for a time being, I just, I just felt defeated and hopeless. Cause I just didn't know what I could do. Like I tried everything at work. It's not like I can change my boss. It's not like I can change the client. Um, I was like, it felt like I couldn't do anything. I could apply to a new job, but like, what if I still get stuck? Right. Mm. Um, and what and I still liked a lot of things too. I mean, I did love I love my client. My manager was actually, you know, really great. Like we could talk through things even though we disagreed on a few things. And what I realized in uh, over time was that, you know, there's always going to be things that are out of my control. And there are always going to be things that are in control. As something as small as like how I'm going to choose to wake up. Um, how I'm going to choose to go to the office. I'm going to take a bus. Am I going to take a long walk? Am I going to wear my heavy jacket because it's cold outside? Am I going to wear multiple thin layers so that like maybe it's like more bulletproof because it's extra cold outside? Like <laughs> all of those small details make a difference. And I started doing very small things to shift the way how I think. And at that point, I didn't even think that was what I was doing. I just really did it because I was tired of feeling the way I did. So I started small, which was actually changing the way how I walk, go to the office and leaving the office. I used to just take the bus. Um, and instead, one morning, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wake up an hour earlier and just going to walk to work, which was takes an hour. And that was kind of refreshing. I was like, oh. Mm. So hold on, pause. I just want to, I want to focus, tribe members, you know, some folks, they're, they're listening to this, they're, they're scrambling eggs or they're on the, the train headed to work. I really mm -hmm. want you to hear what Monica said. She decided to just disrupt her own habits and processes and took a different way to work, right? I mean, little things like that help to change the experience. So don't be afraid to shake up your own routine. Okay, back to you, Monica. I just want to go ahead and drop a pin on that one because I think that's really important. Yes, and something as small as that helps make the habit building easier because I realized what was scary was to realize that I could be unhappy every single day or I can try at least one thing to make me less unhappier than yesterday. And the second option felt a little bit easier then figuring out like, what if I did something and it completely made me unhappier than what it was yesterday? Mm -hmm. um, so taking walks. So I ended up taking huge amount of walks, both going in and out of the office. But like in general, like I always started to dedicate now longer breaks um, because I used to and working then if I take, let's say, a 30 minute break versus like a 15 minute break, then I would work 15 minutes extra at the end of the day. So that I can, you know, I'm still finishing up the workload, but I'm spacing things out or I would uh, come in an hour earlier or leave it like so I started playing around with my time and I find found that doing small things like that helped me kind of find new energy because like in that time I learned about new podcasts. 
I had to make more time to read new books. I had to make more time to figure out what events I could attend. And I had to figure out, you know, when I'm going to actually even exercise, um, mm. what new music I was listening. And all those things now got me more curious because there was one new thing I'm going to now try every day. So then, you know, it was not just changing the way I thought about work, but like because of everything connected to it. Even at work, I got curious about, well, what about this Excel? I know we always do it this way, but what if I tried that way? Would that make it easier? Like maybe maybe I'll just try changing the colors. And if my boss doesn't like it, okay, now we know. But maybe, you know, I tried a different font, you know, and the problem turns out it's not the color, it's actually the font. So now we know the problem is we'll hmm. figure out a new way. And that got more than of more of an exploratory mind because it's like, ah, so that means everything I do kind of can be a potential to like, hack into it. And so while I continued doing those different things in my small ways outside of work, I started noticing how I wanted to pull that thinking in work because I was already in that mode. Mm. Um, and gradually I was not only just happier, but my productivity, of course, skyrocketed because I'm trying new things and getting the results, doing in a faster amount of time, doing more, being okay doing more because I was happier <laughs> and be more willing and being patient as a result. Um, and so by the end of it, I mean, not only got, did I get promote promotions and like, you know, more uh, projects done, but just like better client relationship. And so that's a longer intro of saying how I started my business because that personal transition got me realizing that, you know, like, wow, this was so powerful. And so I wanted to help more people how they can be unstuck and figure out their own different ways. And along that way, I realized that, you know, I was having coffees with almost like tons of people every other day. And I realized there must be a better way that I can also help people <laughs> other than just having coffees. And then around that time, the second element was that I've always actually wanted to build a business. I just didn't want it to build a business that wouldn't be something long term. Uh, it had to be something complex that would take me probably a lifetime to figure out because then I would be interested enough to stay committed and something that I know that would really make a difference. Um, I just didn't I didn't want to create something that would be like, you know, just just you know, it's a small additional thing. And every every business brings different value. But for me, I wanted to make a huge difference in a way I could. Um, and I realized what connected all of that, my personal journey, my personal interest and in going back to everything I've done in my career was that creativity element. And what I've built in hindsight was a creative mindset. And so it's a long way of answering that short question of recognizing that, you know, it, it wasn't planned. Like, I think I just wanted to get it out for myself. And I realized I could maybe help more people. And all the curriculum ideas and the flow and the products, like that all came after once I decided that I wanted to build the business and then figuring out how can I then do that? Um, and connecting back to my personal experience, my personal, you know, what was I like when I was a student? What did everyone else struggle? And then walking through and creating that. Hmm. Talk about the, the, you know, I want to call it a product, but it's so multifaceted, but it, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it really is, right? Because you've, you have the trainings, the, there's a curriculum uh -huh. there, um, and I'm sitting here looking at a few cards, and I'm going to get prepared because I'm going to switch it up at the end. I'm going to ask you some of your own questions um, for what I call the two-minute two drill. But talk about like how you built this system out, Innovator's Box. So I focused on where I saw a gap that nobody has tackled yet. And a gap that nobody has tackled yet also equals an opportunity because only a few have noticed it. 
Um, and that must mean something if there's still a problem, which is a gap. Hmm. And I noticed there were three in particular. One, um, the fact that even though studies have continued to show creativity innovation is something for everyone, if you ask individuals at the end of the day, they would say often these things, that I'm not creative, uh, that's not my job, and I don't have time for it. Hmm. And that that just doesn't seem to make sense to the fact of history showing that we're all creative. So I was like, okay, that's one fact that is interesting. No matter how many innovation and creative companies that seem to exist, that problem seems to not have been resolved yet. Uh because I was still stuck as well. Hmm. I didn't believe that being in a nuclear weapons job could be a creative job um, until I figured out how to. The second problem I saw was that there was a lack of collective community aspect on what it means to be creative overall. When I was searching for that community, um, I could I had to attend events that was for artists, that was for photographers, uh, for entrepreneurs, for tech people. For engineers, it wasn't a community where it's like we all believe, like just like the tribe that you, you're doing through the podcast, like we're all creative, like we're all part of the tribe. Like there wasn't one collective that broke down that this is the foundation. And of course, it's transferable in all industries. I couldn't find a community like that. And that got me realized, like, of course, then because of that, there's a bias of what people perceive to be creative in one industry to another. And is that perhaps why that we feel that certain jobs are more creative than others unconsciously? Hmm. And the third part I realized that was interesting was as I was looking for things, I think I was almost initially looking for companies where I can work who was doing that because I wanted to be of help because I knew what the empower could be for me. But um, most companies who talked about creativity, innovation, not only just being tending to be, if I'm just going to say it out loud, mostly white male, um, are also mostly psychologists, researchers, and therapists and artists. Hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but the problem on societal value, I realize, is that if you're only learning about creativity from one perspective of those angles, hmm. there's a higher chance of you thinking through your head realizing that, well, that's cool, but they're never no they're never going to know what it's like to work on Excel every day like me. Uh, they're never going to know what it's like to work on legal documents all day and all night because, you know, they're artists. So they must have a lot more time. Hmm. That bias is going to be hard to break down. And I realized that if I wanted to build a company, I needed to figure out how to tackle all of that. And so that's how our company is based on a three pillar stool. Um, we're not going to tackle all three of them immediately. But the way of organically building was me noticing those three things and realizing that every time I talked to people, that same problem kept arising in different forms. And I realized there must be a way to tackle it. So that's why we build our company in three pillars, which is one, doing uh, B2C programming so that all communities alike can connect um, so that they can choose to show up to meet other people and not wait until they be in a company or a job title to know that they're creative and they can proactively pursue their personal professional development. B2B programs where we work directly with corporations, schools to change and transform their culture and team so that they can learn how they can empower. And we have product lines. So actually, I, I say products as in the physical card games and the additional stuff we're creating because we realize even with the in-person touches we do through B2C and B2B, there's still going to be individuals who can't access our stuff um, unless you know they have something that they can just buy and use on their own because, you know, not everyone's going to need, frankly, a workshop because just both the timing and the price point um, and the location. 
But if there's something that we can help people be inspired to be creative and learn how creativity is a tangible, both, but easily usable thing, that would help people realize that it's really for everyone and it doesn't have to come from one direction. And so, and then also my personal journey of knowing that, you know, I'm going to be a practitioner in innovation, creativity, having made a career switch was where I realized I can demonstrate that this doesn't have to come from one because it really isn't by one because we all have it. So this is my way of proving that. Wow. You know, last question before we get to the two-minute drill. What have what have been some of the positive responses that you've received from Innovators Box? Where to start? Um, or I guess what's been most fulfilling for you? For you, you know, uh, the types of people or sort of the types of feedback that really give you the fuel to keep to keep this fight going. Because it, it, it is a fight in yeah. many ways, right? I mean, people, yes. you're really, you're, you're going is. against the grain. So, yeah. Yes. I am going against a lot of the societal norms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and we see it as a movement. We That's part of the reason why we built it the way we did. Um, I think it's always one thing that is always going to stay the same. It's just seeing the people lighting up mm-hmm. and realizing that they can do it. For instance, like last time I, I spoke at an event and I have one person running after me saying like, Monica, I just have to give you a hug because I just had an aha moment, a transformation I never thought was even possible because of what you just told me. I not only know that I'm creative, but I know that I can actually change the way I'm going to have to rechange the way I do everything in my life now. But like, I know that I can do it because it's actually doable. It's uh, it's not someone else's fault um and so just seeing that glee uh seeing that change and seeing the results like i get clients telling me how now how they're just happy to see that people are happier coming to the office Hmm. and just seeing like you know people are actually having lunch together (laughs) people like it people actually want to engage with other folks in the office (laughs) and things like that is just exciting um i mean students also just sharing that like i now know that i can build a different career i never thought i can do something different um i always thought i needed to apply to jobs um i think i guess all of those different ways of forming different hope to know and helping them tap into their fuller potential whatever form that was i think is always humbling and reminding of like why i chose this path that is hard and long uh but you know, just rewarding to know that I'm helping one person at a time and that person is going to help more people. So it's uh, the ripple effect. So I have a box of your spark, explore your creativity (laughs) cards right here in front of me. Awesome. Which color do you have? Oh, I've got the green and the yellow and the orange. It's a green box, but within it, we've got green for curiosity cards. Reflection is yellow for folks out there in the tribe. And then orange for creativity and so instead of using my usual questions for the two-minute drill i'm going to give you some of your own questions back to you and see what your response would be okay here we go number one when was the last time you lost track of time Ooh, when i talk with my parents Mm, nice nice I always try to hence do it at night so that I don't <laughs> run the late to my meeting. <laughs> That's good. Kind of get, giving yourself some space so you don't have to be hurried. I like it. Okay. What would you do 
if you had six months to live? Ah, uh, I would. I would write my book faster. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a couple of children book ideas. I would probably write that faster too. Um, I would travel. I would probably uh, not be in one location. I would probably travel around as I write and be intentional about the time I spend with both my family and friends. Wow. I love it. But I would want to make sure I get those books and products, both books and products out that I want to build before I die. Get the IP out there so the world can consume it. I love it. Okay. Last one. If you could meet Mm -hmm. any hero from history, who would you meet Mm. and what question would you ask? Ah, it changes all the time. I would, because I was just thinking about this, actually. Hmm. I would want to talk to my favorite book author. Um, I always forget to, I'm going to butcher probably his name, so I'm going to look at the book one more time. He wrote The Little Prince. Oh, um. Uh, his name is Antonia de Saint Exubery. Mm-hmm. I'm butchering his last name. He's from France, and I would like to ask him how. I would probably want to ask him a couple different questions, but I would be curious to know what first really helped him write this book, hmm. and would he have had any idea that it would grow to the scale it has now? Because it is one of the few books that is, it's quite thin. It's very short, but it has a huge, it had a huge impact in my life, a huge impact in many other people. It is one of the few that has multiple copies around the world. It's one of the books I actually collect in different languages because I'm inspired by it. And I love that it's a book that can be read by both as a child and as an adult. It's actually written for adults that is still always in the children's section for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I want to ask him that because part of me wonder always that maybe part of what helped him write the book is because he didn't envision it to be go big, but it focused on the quality, Hmm. not because of the sale or did he knew that it was going to be that good? And he was like, Oh, I just knew that it's going to be worldwide because I always, you know, want to write a book that would be like that. But then I wonder if I need to focus more on like just writing the book book versus thinking about what the book could become. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of this. Yeah, you always wonder with what some of these first? books what, what comes first, right? It's like, yeah. is like, is Paulo Coelho writing The Alchemist thinking, and I've heard him say the, uh, the opposite, like, oh, this is going to be big. Let me write it in such a way that, you know, people want to buy it. Or is it just an authentic writing process that leads to something that's in many ways unforeseen? Yeah. Um, wow. And he died not so long after that. And so I don't know if he had other books in mind. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that would be what I would like to ask. Monica, CEO, <laughs> founder, chief poobah, Mrs. <laughs> Enlightenment of Innovators Box. Thank you so much for joining the tribe. Tell folks out there how they can get in contact with you and get a better sense of all that you do out in the world wide web. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, 
couple different ways. One, if you're on LinkedIn, I love staying in touch with uh, people via LinkedIn because it's a great way to learn more and also share more. So uh, just send a note that this is how you found me that way because I get a lot of LinkedIn requests. So I, I'd like to know if you're connecting me because of the podcast. Hmm. Um, second is uh, if you do like getting some resources, I do send out bi-monthly newsletters. So if you go to our site, you'll see a little pop-up or like a link on the newsletter. We just send out two emails a month so because I, I know everyone gets a lot of emails, but just some reminders and some messages and tools. Um, and of course, if you're in ever in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, you're welcome to come to any of our community events. Um, or of course, you know, we can work with you guys if you're looking for the changes in your own companies and spaces. But, um, in general, those are kind of top ways. Um, three, of course, the products as well. If you know, if you're somewhere that can't, we can't meet in person, but would like to still figure out how to do it within your own ways on creativity. Uh, we have actually four new products coming out. Um, and I'm actually having my book out this year as well. So those would be other ways to learn, but in person, staying in touch like LinkedIn and uh, the newsletter is often some of the best ways. Wow. Excellent. Monica, thank you so much for joining the tribe. Keep changing lives and <laughs> we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. For show notes and to get goodies to all of the links from the show, visit a tribe called yes.com. That's a tribe called yes.com. And I have one ask for you. If you like the show, give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It would really help us to spread the gospel of the tribe. And finally, special thanks to Samantha Skinner and Jacob Weiss, our co-producers and partners in crime for serving up incredible episodes every single week from the University of Texas. Now go out there this week, slay some dragons, and keep saying yes.